Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friends in radio, Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. And boys, uh, it is good to be back. It's good to be back with you both. It's good to be back in the studio. Um, I'm I'm disappointed in myself for missing the program last week, Pipe. I feel like I had like a almost like a Cal Ripken esque sort of you know. Uh, unimpeachable string of, uh, of, of radio in my past where I just didn't miss a week, but, uh, but I did miss, you know, I'm, I'm human, uh, but I'm, I'm back and I appreciate you guys having me back, man. I, I hope, you know, you didn't question my commitment to the program for very long. Baby, we got close on that one. I, we're not going to lie to you. It got, was no, getting a little, it was getting a little tenuous. We, we actually past. dreamed up a future for you. Um, because yeah. we weren't sure you were coming back in which you Dude, were, in which you were a camp director. Um, yeah. of, of some camp in the North woods. Um, yeah. and all of the cabins would be named after defunct football franchises instead of, you know, Ooh. trees or fish instead of like trout cabin and bass cabin <laughs> or, or elm yeah, and yeah. oak, it would be, yeah. you know, it would be, you know, NFL Europe teams or, oh, yeah. uh, no, or USFL teams or something. And yeah, so baby, absolutely. The, the premise behind that was that I, I made a comment about how I was I was sort of semi fascinated that that you were like this this older dude now that still loves camps. Dude, and I do. I, I I don't love camps though. I love this camp. I love this one particular camp. And and honestly, like being a camp director would break me. Like I would last <laughs> not even one week in that job. Like the only the only job for me in in any kind of camp scenario is this one camp um and being the speaker like that's that's the sweet spot but uh but yeah no we're kind of fascinated by like oh like the camp lodge which always has that sort of orange wood yellow you know just they all look the same they all you nailed it this they bring back that vibe every single time dude they totally bring back that vibe and they i i have to say like the the dopest thing about this camp is that like my quarters my little uh my little apartment at the camp is is like sorry those are that's my phone going off, but, uh, you can my that. little, yeah, my little apartment in the camp is, uh, it's actually in the chapel where I speak. So wow. it's in like the, the basement of the chapel. It's super Dude, it's a cozy. Parsonage. They give you a parsonage. Baby. Dude, I get a little parse, man. I get, I get a little parsonage when I'm, uh, when I'm on campus at Camp Barakal. So, uh, okay. tip of the cap to the actual camp director. I could never do his job. It would break me, but, uh, he does it well. He does it with, uh, with style and panache. Ladies and, and gentlemen, it's Parson Cluck with the kilt. Parson Cluck with a kilt. That's it, man. So no, that I, I could see that alternate future in one sense, but uh, in another sense, I think I'm where I need to be. So, uh, and where I need to be, boys, is on the radio with you, doing doing radio, making uh, making radio magic on this program. And that being said, I want to get right into it, boys. I want to encourage people to uh, visit LagarsRoasters.com, get a bag of Happy Ranch Signature Blend. Uh, it is the best coffee you will ever have. And uh, I'm not just saying that because I'm business partners with Hector Lagaris, although I am, full disclosure. Um, this is great coffee. Hector Lagaris, is, um, he's a very exotic coffee maker, so you should support that as well. And uh, boys, let's get right into this because and, – and you know what? I'm just going to – I'm going to hop into the funny one first because we're talking about food and beverage because we are now in the beverage industry via one Hector Lagaris. Uh, there was an article recently uh, by a writer who I think – the three of us kind of respect and enjoy. Typically, his name's Brett McCracken, um, and he wrote this piece on TGC about whether or not food has a gender. And it, 
I, I just want to get you guys to comment briefly on the premise of the article. So, Piper, let's start with you, and then we'll get Ron's input on it, and then we can uh, we can go into a little activity that I've got planned for the group. Yeah, for the most part, the article is pretty you know pretty straightforward argument for biblical complementarianism, as the proponents of that viewpoint like to call it. Um, because if you put biblical in front of something, it becomes unassailable. Because as we Absolutely. know, everybody views the Bible the exact same way. Um, so that was like 80% of the article is a pretty traditional view, but looking at sort of the inherent gendered characteristics of things, but it started out with him talking about how they had two restaurants selected depending on, uh, so they, they were expecting a child where they were going to find out if it was a boy or girl. And when they found out they would pick one restaurant or the other to go celebrate at based on the sort of inherent femininity or masculinity of the food served at these restaurants and uh, I I found that to be amusing. Uh, Dude, can, go can ahead. I just add about the intro to that article? Like Brett, Brett McCracken and I probably have a lot in common. Like if you if you were to like Venn diagram the two of us, there would be a lot of overlap. But I think just reading reading the intro to that piece, it, it made me go, "Oh my gosh, this guy sounds like such a." such a yuppie white man you know what i mean and then i'm like oh my gosh i'm a yuppie white man you know like i i didn't like seeing on the page basically what my life looks like um and it and it filled me with shame um i don't know if you had that kind of response to the to the intro as well piper or if i'm well, alone in that I, but i've either known way, I'm fine. i've known brett for a long time and so like i sort of recognize some of the differences between he and i uh we went to yeah. college together and um and he's, you know, he's a he's a critic. Not, I don't mean like yeah. he's a critical person, but like that is his trade. And so, film criticism, food criticism, and so when yeah. he does food stuff, it's very sort of gourmet and fine food in a world that I know nothing about, care nothing for. You know, right. so he's going to be like a, a pickled beets with a, you know, you know, with a, a compote of this and a reduction of that, and all words that right. make me just want a hamburger. Um, so he, that that's where he and I would would part ways in terms of our our respective yeah he's like styles. a he's like a watercress and fennel guy yeah exactly know. and as far as I'm concerned watercress is you know it's like the packing peanuts of whatever food it's in <laughs> exactly big R I want you to respond to the premise of the article ever so briefly keeping yeah, in mind the the delicate the irons in the fire that you've got with TGC so so nuance this one man. Yeah. Well, okay. So, yeah, don't don't lose an opportunity to be a main ta- main stage speaker in like 2040. Dude, seriously. Yeah, that's they have, they have not al- al- when I'm not alive. Anymore. They have long memories. They yeah, do. exactly. When I when I don't exist to speak anymore. Yeah, that'll be great. That'll be great to be one of the plenary guys post death. It'll be there awesome. You go, man. Um, so I'm I'm reading a little bit of the article and sort of the premise in the beginning where they were they were. Doing a gender reveal party, we should talk about that sometime too, boys. Well, and then um, to be fair, they said they did not throw a big party. This was just like a, a family thing, which that's you know we're we're, we're moving towards acceptability there. So yes. they immediately knew him and his wife immediately knew that brats and fries for dinner were more brats. I yeah. like saying brats to uh-huh. celebrate our baby boy than kale and candied beets. Yeah. To which I immediately just got a text from a Big M right here. Hold on, boys. You want to hear this? Right she now? Said, like She said right now, she said, my birthday meal request was brats and sauerkraut and beer for what it's worth. So she's like, yeah. don't put me in a box. Don't stereotype me. Brett. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, I, feel like, I feel like there might be some gender confusion either with the food or a person <laughs> here. This is all very puzzling to me, Ronnie, because 
brats are masculine. That's what that's the what I mean. Said. I, I know, I know. And so Big M, Big M is gonna is gonna have is gonna take some uppins here with uh, with with Brett Mack here. Brett Dude, Mack. I love it because like like that text baby is so. It's it's the nineties-est thing because if there's if there's one thing people who like came of age in the nineties hate, it's being put into any kind of a box. Absolutely. So I, I feel like that's perfect and that's why this discussion is uh is potentially a lot of fun. So I'm gonna ask you guys though to um put some different kinds of food in a box in a sense, because what I'm gonna do is just throw out um different foods and I want the two of you to comment on whether they're masculine or feminine, just so mm-hmm. we can we can really we can we can get to the heart of the the spirit of this article, which and is what TGC offering a service to our listeners. We wouldn't want them to have gender confusion about their their meals if they're celebrating something. You know, if, if it's like it. a church potluck, how much like, you have to be careful how many feminine foods you have there because that could be an issue. I don't want I don't want my plate to trigger anyone. Right. So, guys, we're just trying to make some progress here, right? We're trying to get we're we're trying to tackle a major major issue. This is here. a huge issue, you know, which is why it got. The column space that it did on TGC. So right. tip of the cap to to them for tackling this one because it's it's tough and it's hard and there's a lot of nuance. So uh, without further ado, I'm throwing foods out. Um, I I haven't done a lot of thinking on this, so you guys just give me your your assessment of mm. these foods. Uh, first, banana. Clearly masculine. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna go. Yeah, that's that's low hanging fruit. Dude, right. Uh, I'm, I'm just I'm starting you out easy. I'm no pun. Out. No pun with the yeah. low hanging fruit. Uh, I'm going to yeah. go feminine on that one. Oh, Did interesting. Defend yourself or okay. the banana, I, as it were. Yeah. Yeah. I have no defense. <laughs> Baby, you're just being contrarian. Are, are you really like embracing the the importance of this discussion at this at this point? No, That's I am. I, mean. I promise. I'm totally I mean, I'm on Amazon.com right now. I'm totally serious about this discussion. Because See, we, this like, is this is why society is going to hell in a handbasket. Because there's somebody who can look at a banana and think feminine. Like that's you are what is wrong with America, Ronnie. Right there, you just summed it up. Baby, I mean, the church, you just gotta you gotta think a little more deeply. And the uh, church needs your leadership on this. Like they, we need some do. tweets that start with the word pastors and then a comma and then like some some wisdom about what what foods are or what. Boys, gender. can you so, give, give me some ways that I can integrate this into my sermon on Sunday? <laughs> Ask TGC. I mean, they, you know, they're Ask in that bread crack. Yeah, yeah, they're in that business. This is what they do. Um, all right, next food: avocado, masculine or feminine? Transgender. Ooh, <laughs> Piper, very provocative. Very, very provocative. I love it. That's Ron? that's that's why it's such a popular. Uh, that's why it's such a popular um, garnish for toast amongst the the progressive millennial crowd because it is yeah. it is a it is a sort of genderless or gender amorphous i think mm-hmm. um so yeah i'm gonna go i'm gonna go uh transgender for i don't know i don't, what I don't I don't know don't know what it started as to, but it's it's moving to something else i don't subscribe to piper's just radical progressive definitions at all man i'm so, gonna go mas- so, i'm gonna go masculine on an on an obby and Ron, can I ask you a follow-up question on that one vis-a-vis Absolutely. hipsters? So why – like I love avocado too, but why on toast? Like why is that like a hipster snack? Um, because I, I feel like toast is a – it's just a – it's a different way to go with avocado. So why 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 that pairing? Well, because – okay. So I think Avi's high protein, right? And so when you mix it with toast, sure. what they've done is they've made – they've really turned it into like a, a breakfast food. So that, okay. that's a way that they've really sort of tr- transformed into uh, – 
until I kind of like hipster breakfast. They've redeemed the toast. They've, yeah, redeemed, they've redeemed that piece of redeemed bread. Redeemed the avocado. I'm actually writing a book right now called Redeeming the Avocado. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Crossway. It'll be out on TGC in 2040. That'd be an even more provocative book if avocado was transgender. <laughs> Ooh. I like wow. this. See, this is good synergy. Guys, I mean, we're, getting, what, this is, we're getting really controversial today. What started as funny has become like a real like exercise for our, our fields. But okay, next uh, next food, quinoa. Oh, my gosh. This is Ronnie's field of expertise. I'm going to leave this one to him. Judas Priestess. Yeah, Judas um, Priestess. Uh, quinoa, you, um, quinoa. You know what's so funny, man? I, I feel like most of the dudes I've ever been with have ordered it as opposed to the women, but it feels more feminine to me. Interesting. Are they just trying to get in touch with their feminine side in ordering such a thing? I think you're probably correct, Pipe. See, I, I also would have gone more feminine for quinoa. Um, uh-huh. But uh, but really, what I said is true, huh, Pipe? Like, you, you never, like, you, you always see dudes when they're, like, trying to be good with their eating, like, ordering quinoa. Yeah. yeah. Dude, whenever I see a dude ordering quinoa, I just feel sad inside. You know what I mean? <laughs> not, I feel not, sad as sad as him, not as sad as him when he eats it. Exactly, because I feel like that's a dude who's he's living for other people. You know what I mean? He's not living the life he wants to live. Right. I mean, uh, you would never see Jared C. order quinoa. Would you ever see Jared C. Wilson order quinoa? No, never. I don't know him that well. I don't know what he's like. Would why would I'm he not order quinoa? You, I'm just you're just telling you're because telling me li- as a, as he is a, living his best life now. Correct. That's good. I mean, good for him, man. That's terrific. Um, all right, one more oatmeal. So like a bowl of oatmeal for breakfast. You made this really tough, Big T. I know. I'm. I'm. You guys, it's I'm, iron sharpening iron right now. I'm this going totally. Uh, I'm going mask on that one. Okay. Yeah, that's nice. that's yeah, my that just, that's yeah. my inclination on that one as well as masculine, mainly because I think of oatmeal as prison food, and the majority of inmates are men. There you go. Interesting. Interesting. Well, boys, I appreciate that dialogue because really, that's dialogue is where it starts with these things and you know we can we can we can write about these the reason you put that article out there is to get is to get a discussion going and to get people talking so i want to thank you for um entering into that with me and uh we actually have we we actually have some other stuff to talk about so i want to get right into another tgc thing um which is something ron that you texted over and i i think it was you know, it was a topic that almost got cut in our pre-production meeting, and I, I would have been sad to see it go because I think it's a it's a more serious one, and it's kind of interesting, and it's on the level of um, kind of missional, incarnational versus people of a like mind and like culture worshiping together. And I feel like via text, and you can you can nuance this out, you can go first, but I feel like via text you were arguing for, you know, why is it bad for people who are alike to worship together? Um, and I responded with, I think you can set your watch by this pendulum swinging wildly every 15 years or so. And I think we've been in a like-minded people worshiping together phase for a while. And we're, gonna, we're about to swing it back toward like, hey, different people worship together. Um, but I want to hear you speak to that. And I want, I want you to kind of defend your position on it because I think uh, Piper might disagree with you. And I think I might disagree too. So, um, so lay, lay it on us. But man. no pressure. Thinking? Yeah, no pressure. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, yeah, so it was, I think the article was like five things you need to look for when you're, when you're choosing a new church or something yeah, like yeah. that. I think I the be... first four were expository preaching and then the last one was <laughs> diversity. 
Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, man. One expository preaching, two expositional oh, preaching. Yeah, there, there you go. Yeah, good. You know, a little nuance there, and then a little diversity. The, the you're right. The fifth one was um, choose people who are unlike you, and so I think like coming, you know, coming out of this whole Jeff Vanderstelt, you know, missional kind of you know mentality that we've that we've been trading trading out on, you know, for the last ten years or so, which is fine and good. Um, I, I think. It just it struck me that like what's so strange about that is not that I necessarily disagree with it on paper, but at the same time, um, there's like a, there's a sort of a natural default in us that when we're walking through the doors of a brand new church, like we're not looking for somebody unlike us. We, we in fact are looking for somebody like us to find some commonality. And I don't know if that's the wrong place to start. I don't know that we should end there. But to find somebody where you have some commonality with um, it, as a way to, to exist within, you know, a, a framework of having people unlike you, I, I, that's just not that big of a deal. And I, and I think it's actually a little more natural, maybe. Right. That's my. Yeah. Take. I mean, I, I think people always can be counted on to do what they most want to do. And I think what they most want to do is be with people who are like them. So I mean, I don't, you know think, that, though, don't you think, though, when you walk into a church, I mean, again, we can say right or wrong. I'm yeah, saying like when you yeah. walk into a church and you're looking around like you're like the people or the or the things that catch your eye, whether it's people or otherwise, are going to be the things that you're most familiar with. I mean, yeah. that's just that's just what it's going to be. Right. Uh, and, and two, I mean, I, I think in the circles that we run in, you don't have to tell people to like seek out people like them, you know, because I think the. Right. I, and Piper, you can speak to sort of how far back this goes. But, you know, since I've been sort of a sentient adult in the reformed kind of church movement, it's been a lot of people who are basically the same person. Um, <laughs> so, I, so I guess you don't have to tell reformed people to do this um, in terms of finding people who are like them. But I, I guess, again, kind of knee jerk reaction. Like, I, I do think there's value in being around people and worshiping with people who are not exactly like you. Um, Piper, speak to this. I, I agree with Ron's premise that the most natural thing for people to do is to find somebody, I mean, whether or not like us, that the, everybody has sort of a norm that we are comfortable with. Um, so something familiar to you, even if it's not like you, you know, whether, yeah. so if you grew up in a more multicultural context, you're probably going to be more comfortable in that context. Um, sure. for example, I have, I've attended plenty of sort of suburban mega churches. Mm -hmm. That's not what I grew up in and it's not what I gravitate towards. And so I always felt a little bit like an outsider, even though yeah. I look very much like I fit in a suburban megachurch. So, but I, but I think in terms of gravitating towards a norm, that's absolutely true. I think, <clears throat> I think that was a well, it was a poorly phrased uh, point in that article because I think the point they're making is that there is a lot of value in a diverse worshiping body. So people have different different backgrounds, yes. different perspectives, different races. Um, I'm curious, you know, what they would say about the gender aspect of things. But uh, the, the diversity is valuable, and I think that's a that's a biblical concept. Um, but saying look for people different than you implies it just it's a it's a really sort of stilted way to put it. I don't it it feels awkward to me. Um, 
the question that Ron raised, though, was should we – I think he even asked something about guilt. Like should we feel bad for going to ch- going to a church where everybody is like us? And that's an interesting one because most of us do. Like is there is there an inherent problem in us attending a church with people who look like us, sound like us, are cut from the same um, sort of socioeconomic segment that we are? Is that mm-hmm. bad? I mean, we're reform guys. We should always feel bad. Um, but right. We, we, believe in, we believe in grace because we constantly feel bad. <laughs> because we constantly feel terrible. Um, Big R, you're the resident man of the cloth here. Um, and you're, you're the only one on this podcast who pastors a church. Um, what, what, do, you, do you feel this tension in your church? I, or not really? Well, no, because I mean, so we're like, you know, we're in like a smaller town scenario, right? So to, you know, most of the churches in the, in the town are mainline denoms and they're filled with very, you know, a lot of older, older, older people. And so, and, and they're super liberal churches. So to go, so to, to realistically go to a church, if you're in your thirties or forties, uh, and, and be able to worship with people that are unlike you would, would have to put yourself in one of those scenarios and so if you're in that age range and you happen to come to our church, you're going to see some, you know, not everybody, but you're going to see a lot of people that are like you. But at least you're in a place where you can, you know, depend on, you know, the, you know, the teaching and the, you know, and the, you know, and the message being safe and secure and, you know, conservative yeah. and those types of things. So I, it's just really it's just really interesting because it really depends on your context. Right. So if you are in one of these like super, super suburban, you know, just, you know, areas where, you know, there's a mixed church on every corner, then yeah, you, you, you might want to go and, and kind of seek out something that's going to get you out of what the cultural norm is for that particular environment. Right. But right. I don't know. I, I think it's a different question also. I mean, if, if this is an article aimed at white people, it means one thing. And assuming since it comes from the gospel coalition, it's aimed at a majority white audience. Um, it, this is a really different thing when aimed at minorities though because if you are if you're a black person or a hispanic person or an asian person and you're going to a generally reformed church like nine out of ten people around you are white which means you don't have to seek out people different than yourself because you (laughs) the entire church is like you you have put yourself out there to to be part of this church because you value expository preaching um Biblical preaching, textual preaching, you know, preaching from the original languages and finding people different than yourself. So it's it's um, it's a different thing for a white person, though, because we don't have to think about it the same way. I mean, in, in conversations with minority friends, that's the point that that I've had to learn bit by bit over the years more than anything is that white people don't have to pay attention to race in America. And which is why we're always uncomfortable when race comes up. And and minorities never stop thinking about race because because white culture is sort of the dominant thing. And so it's it that's another reason it was an odd phrasing, because it assumes that a white that this is to a white audience who has to, who is making a decision about about how to interact with people different than themselves. And it sort of disregards the inherent difference that minorities engage every time they walk into a church of you know that is majority white yeah and i mean the thought that occurs to me is at you know zero points in our history have people in black churches been like you know we got to get some more white people (laughs) you know what i mean um i i think 
And for good reason, because we've ruined a lot of stuff that they've had going on over the years. Dude, right. So, I mean, it's 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 just an interesting tension I know in the in the metro area that I live in, you know, in, and especially being in a college context. I mean, there's always this sort of academic, you know, discussions of race where, you know, we ostensibly have it all figured out. But, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm just not sure, you know, um, I don't I don't think we do. But uh, anyway, boys, I, I don't I to, one final thing. I don't think yeah. people should feel guilty for going to a church that is majority whatever their culture is. Mm-hmm. I think the point is, if there needs to be an openness to people who are different. So if there are people from a different socioeconomic class or uh, different races, different backgrounds, different countries who, yeah. who show an interest in your church, are you a place where where that is valued and absorbed and learned from as opposed to sort of subjugated to the majority culture, whatever that huh. is? So I think I think that's probably where we need to land as opposed to thinking – Every time I show up to church and I see eight out of ten people are white, I should feel low grade guilt for being here. I don't. I don't think that's yeah. healthy because I think it takes away from the community that you are part of. Yeah, that's a good point, man. For oh. sure. Oh. Boys, we got time for one last topic. I know uh, we got to get Big R out of the studio here. Um, he's got a baby. Do you have a? Are you going on another trip, or you just got? Or do, stuff or there do you have and- another? Do you have to, like ordination revisions to do, or where? Or what? Uh, what do you have going on? Oh uh, man, I literally. I made all my revisions yesterday. It was insane. Yeah, dude, it's that's crazy. a that's quite the ringer they're putting you through, right? Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's a, yeah, dude, it's a three year process with papers, revisions. I don't even know if these revisions are, are gonna. I just did everything they said. I mean, they might come back with like you know twenty eight more. I don't know. Yeah, man, that's tough. That's a. Yeah. Do you, do you need help? I mean, I could jump in and help with some things. I mean, yeah, I need help, and no, you really can't help. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but I appreciate that pipe. That's really nice. That's really nice. I mean, nobody's not, offered we, nobody's offered any help in the three pages I need to write on the deity of Christ, except for Wayne Grudem. Grudem has been a major help. Dude, Grudy so, has reached Wayne out as he stepped in, as he stepped, often does. He often yeah. does. Yeah, Dude, what a what a stand up guy. What a guy. You know, Absolutely. say what you want about Wayne Grudem, but I mean, who's who, who's sitting up with you late at night there at the at the the breakfast nook in a town helping you go over those notes, but, oh, but the that baby is Wayne Wayne. Is. Yeah. Fountains of Wayne. Absolutely. Fountains Abs- of Wayne. Absolutes. Yeah. So there Boys, you go. Speaking of people who are not young, Wayne, Wayne Grudem is not, he's not a young man anymore, but there he, there he is in a town, you know, burning the midnight oil with big R. Mm. Um, I recently watched a movie in the theater called mission impossible fallout. Oh, um, this was the, yeah, this is the Tommy. big summer. Yeah, very arty. It was a. It's actually a Terrence Malick film. You know, it was just a bunch of like flowers opening in the desert, and you were just left to kind of draw conclusions about it. But, Zero dialogue, and we all pretend we like yeah. it. And the yeah, Dude, yeah, yeah well, exactly. the, the impossible mission was figuring out what it means at all. Brett McCracken and his wife were there. Actually, I think we caught him right before the the big gender sure. reveal dinner. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, I saw I saw Mission Impossible Fallout. And uh, in the in the fashion of those movies, it was it was very fun to watch. Um, my boys are at like exactly the right age for that kind of thing, and that they they think all the car chases and explosions are really cool. But two, I think, meaningful things occurred to me as I was watching the film. One is that Tom Cruise is fifty six years old. Um, my dad 
by the time he hit 56, he already had a grandkid. So he was a, he was a grandfather at 56. Um, you know, you're, you're doing generally like old man things at 56, except that in the movie, Tom Cruise was doing all the things that he's always done in those movies, which is a lot of sprinting and jumping and fighting and Mm. seducing of young women and like dangling off of cliffs. And except that he was doing it with the kind of fleshy bulbous face that you get when you're 59. So it was really confusing and interesting to me on the level of like, it it just to me was an object lesson in how our culture is so resistant to aging. And like the, the guy in the triad of mission impossible people, he used to be like the, the young whippersnapper who was doing all the like computer programming is Simon Pegg, who's 48. So like, He's a relatively old man himself yeah, now. Can, can and, you be impish in 48? Dude, yes. If anyone could be impish in 48, it's Simon Pegg. But I think he even fails at being impish because when you're 48, you're like sending a kid to college or like maybe watching your kid get married. And like these are these are real things that happen when you're 48 years old. And instead, like they were still making masks and fighting and, and doing – Mission Impossible things. And as a as a sort of corollary to this movie experience, um, I actually rented Clear and Present Danger, the old Harrison Ford movie from the wow. 90s. Yeah, because Harrison was kind of doing that. He had the same gig, man. Dude, he kind of did. He but still in, does. <laughs> in Clear and Present Danger, though, he was 52 when he made that movie. And he was doing awesome old man stuff. And in fact, he wore like a like a members only jacket, like an old man windbreaker for like the duration of the movie. And yeah. he was basically like beating you with his mind at that point. He wasn't doing a whole lot of like actiony things except for the very last scene. So it was just interesting well, to and, me on, he was never a true, a, he wasn't a true action movie guy anyway, because he was, because like he the directors it. are like, Oh, you're the slowest man alive. If we have you sprint, it's a slow motion scene. <laughs> like he's, yeah, dude, he, he just, just wasn't just athletic. Like, but is yeah. it just like this kind of like, I just, I look at like what, what TC's doing. I'm sorry, Terrence Malick's doing a Mission Impossible movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I and just see him as being kind of like the new James Bond. You know, James Bond was old when he did all that stuff too, man. Right? Yeah, he was. I, I mean, I guess. There's a reason they rotate out the James Bonds. And it's, you know, yeah. partly because you can only watch, you know, Pierce Brosnan so many times before you realize he should be a butler, not a, you know, spy master. But, um, but it's. I think it's so that they can keep him sort of perpetually like forty three, <clears throat> you know, because yeah, that's like yeah. the right. like that that late thirties to early forties is like yeah. the sweet spot for you're the smartest because you have lots of experience, but you're still young enough to be athletic and and spry, yeah. and you know you can you can fist fight nine people at once and shoot straight. Well, how yeah, long do you think? So here's the question then: How how yeah. long? How long do we think TC has in this whole gig? I, I would say. I would say he's going to push this thing another 10 years. That's my prediction. Dude, yeah, he's got to go to old man roles like now. Dude, if it hasn't happened now, it's never he going can, to happen. He can transition to, to Denzel action style, which is like retired, retired tough guy who, yeah. who no longer sprints and jumps but in close quarters still knows all the moves to you know disarm somebody and like well, yeah it's like the dude crush from, their windpipe and from, whatever else the dude from taken, taken. from those yes. movies yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I, love, I can't remember his name big t yeah no but i knew exactly what you were talking about cuz it was like old man close quarters fighting well, which i he's Liam, Liam Neeson is the actor and the Liam character's Neeson. name was like Brian something or other yeah Liam's Neeson's man he's the guy yeah for he sure he is the guy yeah. he's the guy but see tc here's the thing man this is what i think 
I think TC looks at a guy like Liam Neeson's, right? And he's like looking at him and he's probably Neeson's is probably not that much older, but in TC's mind, he's thinking, dude, these old guys playing those action roles, not really seeing himself as being, you know, dude. The same category for sure. In TC's mind, he's still the young guy like sliding across the hardwood floor dude, in he's a the young Scientology guy sliding yeah, playing, playing, playing beach volleyball in jeans and an playing beach volleyball in jeans on the way to a yeah. date. Yeah. He's like the getting, guy at the end of that German movie where he was like in Nazi Germany when he said like long live sacred Germany, but it sounded yeah. like he said long live Scientology before they like shot him. I mean, he's still that guy. He's he is that guy. guy in his mind. Yeah. But in reality, though, he's a 56 year old man with a bulbous nose and a really obvious dye job. <laughs> and I it's sad. Use the word, explain the word bulbous to us, baby. Baby, so I know what it means, but I want I want to hear you explain it. That was actually the title of the column that I that I wrote about the movie. Yeah, it's on, called Everybody's it. Nose Got Bulbous, which which really is what happened. You know, like I'm watching this movie going like I feel like I'm watching all my old uncles do things that <laughs> yeah, just, they wouldn't actually be doing. Just picture you know? John Voigt's face and that's a bulbous nose. Dude, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a big fleshy bulbous nose, which is like what happens to your face when you get to a certain age, when you're like grandpa age, you know. Baby, and, didn't you make the point that John Voight was the same <laughs> age as TC in the first Mission Impossible? Dude, I did, except that John Voight was doing old man things in that movie. He was just like walking yeah, around yeah, in yeah, the shadows yeah. wearing like a trench coat. Well, like, that, was, like, that was the point. He was like, he was the leader of their team because he was sort of the like, he had washed out of the physical end of the spectrum. I was like, well, I can't do what you guys do, but I can be the brains of the operation. Whereas Tom yeah. Cruise is like, nope, 30 years later, still got it. But, dude, here's the thing. So I got in an argument with this dude the other day, and he goes, man, he goes – I think it was after services on Sunday. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, dude, it's a – he's all, well, Tom Cruise never ages. I mean he can just play those parts forever. I said, no way, dude. I said, literally, go, like, look at Jer- like, look at a promo shot of Jerry Maguire. Look at TC now. He does look older, man. He looks totally different, I think. Dude, because he, really he is that. older. You know, well, he's like oh, – I know, but he's had a lot yeah. of work done too. Dude, he's had a lot of work done, but Jerry Maguire was like – 22 years ago it was you a know ago, right it was but a long time ago think of tc as they still as think of him as like looking like no he's he's been ageless it's like yeah no he still looks like darn good but like when you look when you look at him now dude he does not look like a 40 year old jerry Maguire anymore i mean no, he doesn't. whatever it was yeah yeah he absolutely doesn't no you're right man it's just to me it was fascinating and, and they did this thing at the end of the movie so this is like a spoiler so if, if you want to fast forward a couple of can, minutes. Can you I should... fast forward this part? I haven't. Uh, I haven't seen the movie yet. Keep, baby, keep it yourself, man. We got a, We got a TC fan in the house with pipe here. No, all right, I'm man. Fine. I'm gonna keep it to I, myself. Here's but... the deal. I I know the whole plot of the movie and I haven't seen it. So by all means, that's because you saw the last one. Yeah, because you I saw, saw the Rogue I saw Nation. the first 18 Mission Impossible <laughs> movies, and so I know the plot. Dude, Spoiler so the away. thing is, they did they did a weird thing about his marriage in this one, where like at the at the end of one of the last ones, he and his wife that, had. Yeah. Yeah, he and his lady had this agreement where, like, they were basically going to be separated and she was going to go underground and just kind of be in hiding and he was going to stay, like, saving the world all over the place. Recipe for a great marriage. Recipe for a great marriage, of course. And so in this movie, like, come to find out, she remarried, like a like a lantern-jawed, like, J.C. Penney's model of a doctor. And <laughs> the way the movie spun it was, like, like, oh, that's really great. You know, like you're... Wait, is you're, she in Grey's Anatomy? Because you just described all the doctors in Grey's Anatomy. Dude, she, I, she might be, for all I know, man. And, and this guy might be. But um, so anyway, like it was this whole like, 
you know, I'm just so glad things worked out the way they did between us because it allowed me to reach my potential as a doctor. And, and it was this real sort of like, yeah, marriage is just a stepping stone to like, you know, reaching your potential as a person. And isn't it nice that they both like landed where they're supposed to be? And uh, I don't know. Yeah, it, it was fascinating. It was it was a really interesting sort of. Is, is that another way of saying depressing? Oh, it was super depressing. Yeah, it was super, super for me depressing. And like, I didn't like it, but it was clearly a thing that like as an audience, we were supposed to like. We were supposed okay. to be like, ah, look at look at how good they are with each other. You know, it's okay, a, I have a it's serious a question. I yeah, serious question. I want us to get serious here. From I'm totally late for all my appointments. It doesn't matter anymore. Late on me. Baby. Um, I have a real serious question. I want us to suss this out for a few minutes. Okay. okay. Yeah. Let's not give the easy answers, but let's like think about this for one second. It's fascinating to me that TC, given where he's at in his career, and I know what you're going to think. I know what you're going to think right when I say this, but it's fascinating to me that literally like he does not a lot. He's so desperate for hits. Uh He's so desperate for like blockbusters that like he doesn't even allow himself to make any other kind of movie. But these movies now, you know what I mean? Interesting. And like I'm fascinated by any of these guys that do it. (laughs) But here's the difference is I feel like with a Liam Neeson's or some of these guys, you do see like you do see a level of diversity in like the kind of films they pick where you just you literally don't see that with Tom Cruise anymore. It's Dude, you're this- right, because I think yeah. I think older guys, they enter like an art film stage of their career yeah, where they realize like, with playing those parts like right, like 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 whether it's like Samuel L. Jackson or whether yeah. it's. Uh, yeah, like uh, you just said, Denzel Washington. It's like, yeah, we're going to play action adventure movies because people like old dudes in those things. I don't know why, but they do. But we're also going to do movies where we are going to like be considered for Academy Awards because it was a heck of a performance that only somebody at our age and caliber can actually get to. Dude, right? so okay, so I think the best Tom Cruise movie of like the the past ten years was the one that was semi arty that he did with Jamie Fox, where he had gray hair. Um, Jamie Foxx was. Do you know what movie oh, I'm yeah, talking yeah, about? Yeah. Jamie yeah, Foxx was a. He was like a cab driver, and Tom yeah, Cruise. Yeah, that was, was a great guy. movie. It yeah, started it was, with an I. What was it called? I don't know. I think. Hold it was, on, I'm gonna look it up right now. Hold on. Yeah, look it up, baby. I think it was called. Yeah, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get off Amazon. I, I'm really looking. Quick. I'm looking on IMDb right now. Through. Collateral. Yeah. Collateral. Dude, every movie in the '90s was called Collateral. It was called Collateral. Oh yeah, Collateral yeah. was good. I remember that one. That was. I mean, that was 14 years ago, but it was good. 2004, not 90s. Yeah. He, he was, Dude, it was 2004, was, but it was a 90s movie still, you know. <laughs> Dude, it did 217 mil at the box office. Wow. See, I think I think Minority Report might have been Cruz's best movie of the last, you know, two decades. Dude, but again, we're talking that was a good movie. 2002. Well, that's when he was doing like Spielberg, you know what I mean? So like he was working, but I, I feel like now it's like it has to be Mission Impossible. It has to be a reboot yeah. of whatever that top. He did like Edge of Tomorrow, which was a sci-fi Mission Impossible. He did Jack Reacher, which was like a military police Mission Impossible. It's all he's doing. Now. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're all the like, same. Like what I'm saying is like you can t- – and again, I know part of it. And again, I'm, I'm trying to keep it on the serious tip here. I know part of it is that Cruz like loves doing his own stunts and he's just kind of fascinated with that whole aspect of his movie making. But I mean – I mean, Big T, how many times have we talked? I mean, he can do, he can play a drama role. I mean, how many times have we discussed Jerry Maguire? 
Dude, we love that movie. Well, and good like Rain, Rain Man? I think Rain Man might have been... I realize yeah. you guys love Jerry Maguire, but Rain Man might have been his best movie ever, just in terms of sort of critical... Dude, acclaim. it might have been his best acting job. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was a really good movie. I mean, it really, does really help good. to share a screen with Dustin Hoffman, who's also not a slouch. Of course. Yeah, of course. But, Dude, but there's a guy, Dustin Hoffman, who aged gracefully. Not that he was ever, like, really an action star, but, like, he he... He very gently like entered into those awesome like kind of grizzled arrogant old man roles. And he hasn't and, uh, degraded himself like um, like De Niro playing like bad grandpa uh, one two and three or whatever. Judas Priest. Yeah, but bad. dude, here's the thing though, man. Isn't it isn't part of it though? Like Tom does this to himself, right? Because he doesn't let himself go. So like until he stops getting like Botox and like gets gets all the work done on his face, he's never going to look like a grizzled old man because he won't let his. Dude, but he does. You gotta see you gotta see this Mission Impossible movie because like his face, in spite of all the work, like it became an old man face because because time never loses, baby. You know, time always wins. Time Time is undefeated. Yeah. Yeah, time time is undefeated. So who's the big winner? Who's the big winner? (laughs) Who's the big time wins. Time wins. Timey wins. Timey wins. Um, oh man, yeah, but but time definitely won, and and that's no knock on Tom Cruise, man. He's he's still like, look, if you put him next to a real person, like he's still way better looking. Of course. Well, I mean, but. honestly, can you even imagine that guy playing like like let's say like a, a married guy with a grown up child who's like dealing with all this like you know you know age of life kind of like problems and scenario like. Like you literally, like he wouldn't even be convincing in a role like that. You'd be like, "What are you doing, man? Why don't you jump out of a plane? What? Do you, what is this?" Dude, that's the kind of role he needs, though. That's you, exactly. You know, what he, he needs, needs to do a Terrence Malick film. He needs to do a Netflix miniseries, like eight episodes, where it's like a yeah. a slowly paced character development sort of thing, yes. where yeah, he can play like a like a like a retired police officer who's dealing with like you know kids back from college or something like that. Just some some sort of like. Yeah, not necessarily artsy, just like paced out, non-stunt driven thing. Okay, I'm going to say something right now that's going to bring all this home, right? And it's and it's one comment. It's bring it home, voice. Tom Cruise never wanted to be. Wait for it, Sean Penn. Mm. Yeah, in as much as Sean Penn is like a weirdly Jack steroidal old man himself. Yeah, but dude, but Sean Penn has so much credibility. Dude, you're right. He makes movies for twenty dollars. He wins Academy Awards. TC is still never he won flies an Academy to, He flies to Ecuador and interviews uh, drug lords. And yeah, doesn't and he's get like, shot. He has, like a, he has yeah. like a series coming out on Netflix in September called The First about the first man trip to like Mars or something. Like, he's still, like he, he takes risks and he doesn't mind and he looks old. Dude, I mean you look at Sean Penn you're like that dude. That dude's, that dude's never even been to the doctor much less like had any sort of like yeah. facial like – like yeah. repair jobs done. I mean, he's 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 the Keith Richards of the acting community. At the end of the day, you know? dude, he is. But he's he's more awesome for it, you know. And you um, just but the thing is, you could never see TC do that. But you know, man, I would love TC to do that. I would love TC to make a Terrence Malick vehicle. Mm. I would love a vehicle but, like but that. Then, but then no one would see it except for Ted and Brett McCracken. Dude, <laughs> me and Brett McCracken and Brett's lady would be there. It would be Tree of Life too, and I would have to. The awkward thing about that is the discussion that would happen between Brett and myself after the movie in which I would have to pretend to have liked it and pretend to have known what was going on. Um, So there you go. Tom Cruise, Tree of Life 2. Let's get it done, movie industry. Uh, Terrence Malick. Terrence Malick. I mean, I just feel like anybody you talk to that likes Terrence Malick, it's like I look at him and I go, 
Um, it's just me here in the room, and um, you don't have to front. Baby, am I right about this, though? <laughs> Terrence Malick, that is the perfect, like, pretentious, arty name. It gets no better than that. If, our names, if my name was Terrence Malick, my life would be completely different. I'm well, not dude, saying if it would you be do, better. No, no, it would, it would be, be totally different. And if you were, like, doing an award show, you would say, it was great working with Terry. Oh, it was amazing working with uh, Terry Malick. You know, what a dear man. You know, what a gentle guy. He's a, he's a, he's a lovely man. He's Terry a lovely Terry, man, Terry Terry, Terry Terry just was so gracious and kind on set. Yeah, yeah. People call him Terry. I call him Terry because of how familiar we are. That's what know. I mean. You call him Terry. Yeah. It's like when you work with like when you work with Anthony Hopkins. And I remember Gwyneth Paltrow at the Academy Awards. He said, yeah. oh, and it was just a privilege working with Tony. It's like, first off, Gwyneth, you're not from the UK. And secondly, just call him Anthony. Like, like and, isn't, and isn't he a Sir Anthony Hopkins now? Yes. Like, so calling him Tony is not just like, oh, we're going to we're going to disrespect the man. We're going to disrespect the title and the man. Dude, yeah, my, like, my favorite one of those, though, and I think we've talked about it on the program, I love it when people call Robert De Niro Bob or Bobby. Bobby. <laughs> it's so funny to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I worked with Bob on Bad Grandpa, too, and he's just a wonderful, just so they great. They say the same thing about Robert yeah. Redford, too. Oh, it was great working with Bobby. And oh, Bobby. Yeah, what a I, like, I feel it, like his man. grandmother is the only person who should be allowed to call him Bob or Bobby at this point, and I'm sure she's passed away considering <laughs> he's 97 yeah. years old. This, is that this all is he is? Is ninety seven? God rest her soul. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is red. Yeah, yeah. Bobby Red. Bobby you know, Red. I just I call him Red. Actually, I just call yeah, him. Yeah. Well, you know, he's a lovely guy. He loves it when you do that. <laughs> it's a lovely man. Yeah, Bobby. Well, boys, these are all uh, these are all great ideas. These are all movies that need to be made, and I'm sure the Hollywood executives that listen to the program are like having rights negotiations. Oh, things are week. happening right now. Things are hap- Things are popping, man. Maybe round tables right maybe now. Ted yeah. can get called a lovely man for inspiring the idea for these screenplays. Dude, I would love that. I'd love just a little lovely man credit. Baby, I, I would do you like think when Silverdome gets somebody an Academy Award nomination, they're going to be up there and say, you know, it was great working with Teddy. I mean, he's Teddy's a, a screenwriter that I, I mean, we we all aspire to, to to working with someday. So it was a dream come true for he's me. He's gentle. Think he's lovely. I yeah. hope they say that. Like I'm going to. Teddy's a lovely sure. man. He's a. I want to be a lovely man in Hollywood. That's. I know. That's, I know you do. That's the future. That's what I. That's what I want more than any yeah, other. You want to work at a camp, or you want to be a lovely man in, in Hollywood. I, I get it. I mean, I one like, of those things maybe can happen. Maybe. I would like to be lovely in both contexts. Is that too much? To one ask? of those things maybe can happen. That's all I'm going to say. Baby, dreams you, do you, come true. You have missed your meeting. I don't know what we kept you from. You probably missed a flight because of this. But yeah, I, did. Uh, I missed a meeting on my flight. So <laughs> you, you missed a meeting on your flight in the in the private jet that you're that you're subleasing from Creflo Guys, Dollar. I've said this a million times. It's it's hard to do the rant when you're just sitting on the tarmac all day. It's mm, hard Ronnie to, tarmac, but, Ronnie T. It's hard know. to accomplish these feats. The man, the myth, the legend. And you know what? Uh, Resonate Recordings does an amazing job of clipping out all the audio from the Cleveland airport in the in the background of all these episodes. Yeah, absolutely, so, it's quiet. like all the hustle and bustle, the gate activity, you know, the gate changes. Um, they well, do I'm an executive job. suite, baby. I mean, that's you don't really have to do gate changes when there's only like four gates, though. <laughs> yeah, baby, you're up in like the Admirals Club, right? I am. I'm yeah. in the like American Airlines Admirals Club right now. I got, I'm looking at I'm looking at a couple of these guys that are just you know. Oh, that's high you know, end. Wearing their wearing their suits and their ties, they're looking at me. Going, Weary travelers, you? business travelers, they're looking at you in your in your flannel shirt, collar. even though it's one hundred forty no, degrees out. I have my clerical collar on today. I'm yeah, like, clerical collar, flannel shirt. Because I'm a rev now, right? So that's what I have to wear. I don't do flannel anymore. 
right? Dude, are you Rev now? Can we call you Rev? Like, Rev is Ron? it provisional based on your edits, right? Rev Ron, man. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, okay. no. I mean, it's, I'm in. I'm in. The edits don't matter. I'm in. So they, so they kissed the ring. They made you. You're a made man, except that you have to do the edits. But we can call you the Rev. Absolutely. It's like it's yeah. a done deal. It's a done. That's deal. good. Yeah, that's really good. I'm glad. Yeah, everything's changed. Everything's different for me now. Everything's different. And you know, you're like the Terrence Malick of your business now. I am. I'm, the, I'm like the Terry Malick <laughs> of pastoring right now. Is what I Dude, am. isn't that so great, though? You know what, guys? Name... Let's be honest. I, I literally am the Terry Malick of pastoring. Dude, you kind of are. Me. Yeah, you're all vague and obtuse, and everybody <laughs> pretends to like your sermons and know what you're talking about. But they really well, that's don't. true that they pretend to like my sermons. There's no doubt about that. No. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and every sermon is about twice as long as it needs to be. Absolutely. I preached a whopping 40 four minute or on Sunday boys just Baby, I need, you're getting I need a little forgiveness reformed as time goes by that that 44 is going to creep up to 54 in another oh, year man, you're going to be just, yeah you're you're going to be one of these reformed guys every substance is going to be a two two hour plus ordeal before it's all said and done oh, baby man, it's rough yeah. i know it's yeah. like a terrence malick movie terry you know? it's rough yeah. terry 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 yeah. yeah all right let's end this thing well, boys, let's uh, let, let's end this with another name uh, that's near and dear to um, all of our hearts and also listeners of the program. I just want to thank Rach. Yeah, I want to thank her. Lovely. You know, we've never interacted or spoken, but um, yeah, lovely person. Um, her name is Rachel the Held Evans. And because we have wandered to and fro, uh, I will say until next time, Rachel the Held Evans. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. This is Perseus Poku, host of the Sound Reasoning Ministry podcast. Learn how to share and defend your faith by listening to us weekly. Subscribe at LifeAudio.com.